more and more, the cost of care are shifting onto patients through high deductibles and coinsurance. Central to this process are pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs, who work on behalf of payers regarding prescription drug benefits. PBMs play a huge role in what medications are available to patients and what patients pay for their medication. Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient, and joining me on this discussion is someone who knows a lot about PBMs, Dr. Priyash Patel. Priyash, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do at Vizient? Absolutely. So I'm the GM for a subsidiary company that we launched in 2019 called Aluma. It's primarily focused its services in the pharmacy benefits management space and in service to self-insured employers all across the country. Back in 2017, specialty drugs and the expenditure related to specialty drugs was skyrocketing. And we got so much interest from CFOs, HR leaders, pharmacy leaders, CEOs, wanting Vision to enter into this space, which previously we never had any solutions in this space from a business side perspective. And what they wanted to really challenge Vision leaders is what can we do different and creative to support self-insured health systems in the marketplace, manage not only their pharmaceutical spend, but also the experience that their members and employees are having with current PBMs in the marketplace. So we went through this journey and we partnered with Mayo Clinic as our clinical partner and launched this company in 2019. We today serve over 210,000 lives, over 17 clients, And we are positioned extremely well for accelerated growth. Wow. So let's level set that. What exactly is a PBM? Yeah, that's a great question. Most payers in the industry, for example, like United or Cigna or Aetna, they don't directly negotiate with various pharmacies and manufacturers around drug rebates and discounts. What they do is they will either hire a third-party company called a pharmacy benefits management company, or they develop one in-house. And this company resides in between manufacturers, retail pharmacies, specialty pharmacies, and the plan sponsor. Their primary client is going to be the plan sponsor. It's either a health plan or a self-insured employer, like in our case, And what we do is we ensure that we've got solid agreements in place to really help plan sponsors manage their pharmaceutical spend for their employees' independence. And it's important to note that the great majority of healthcare institutions are also self-insured. That is correct. Vision serves close to 5,100 hospitals and health systems all across the country. You wouldn't believe it. 75% of our membership at Vision are self-insured employers. So if you just bring the number of employees and dependents that they each have into a collaboration or a coalition, that would attribute to over 8 million lives in total. That's amazing. And if I stand corrected, I think the latest literature shows that most healthcare professionals, but even more importantly, their families, don't tend to be very healthy, are they? No. In fact, what we've really observed through our health system book of business is the average age of a healthcare worker is slightly older than the normal workforce in the U.S. The average age in healthcare is a little bit over 42 years of age. And 
these healthcare workers are highly stressed. They're in high stress environments. And as a result of that, they haven't kept up with managing their own health and wellness. And so over time, very unfortunate, but most of them will have chronic illnesses such as blood pressure or uh, hyperlipidemia or diabetes, depression, anxiety, and so forth. And there are many drugs that are being brought into the marketplace in these disease categories that are no longer the routine generic low-cost drugs. They're moving more towards biologic novel drugs that are fairly expensive. They do really well for patients, but it is a concern when there are alternatives in the marketplace and these drugs are being misused. And so our role as clinicians is really making sure that appropriate use is prescribed for these patients. And we work very collaboratively and closely with the health system pharmacies, clinicians, as well as their HR groups to ensure that we help manage their overall spend, but also deliver high quality outcomes. So we talked about what PBMs are, but what are they not exactly? Yeah, traditional PBMs, Tom, are not health service providers. They are not in touch with patients on a day-to-day basis. And all of the management that does occur is at a macro level. So when we're thinking about organizations like Express Scripts or CVS or Optum, they're managing 100 million lives plus. So all of their decision-making processes are at a very macro level as opposed to at the patient level, which our members are more accustomed to is delivering whole person care at an individual level. With Aluma, we have an amazing opportunity to balance the equation to work with health systems where the clinicians are and where they reside and touch the patients, but also on the back end using scale to create value for them in terms of greater savings on discounts and rebates for pharmaceutical drugs and also managing formularies. Let's just dive into that for a second, because when I have to deal with these kind of organizations for my own patients, I'm somewhat frustrated because I actually never get to speak to a peer about that. But I believe with the Luma, that actually is different in reference to what that opportunity is. Do you want to just bring that up real quick? Yeah, Tom, that's exactly the unique differentiation that we have. Clinicians in the marketplace where they're actually with patients will have the ability to connect with our clinical team. And our clinical team is a group of really highly specialized pharmacists working from Mayo Clinic who receive the calls and work with the physicians and clinicians, pharmacists, et cetera, on a one-to-one basis on complex cases that require an appeal process or working through, for example, a prior authorization. It's not just a mechanized process. It's really interacting with the clinician. And then at the end of the day, making what's the right decision for that patient, as opposed to upholding a policy purely based on financial value. Out of curiosity, historically speaking, what situation led to the functions of PBS? Back 30 years ago, this whole industry emerged from the insurance side. It was interesting that back then, PBMs were primarily focused around claims processing. That's all their function was. It was a very administrative back office function. Patient takes a card to a retail pharmacy and says, here's my prescription. The pharmacist on the backside would go ahead and adjudicate that claim. And that role was performed by PBMs. 
Now, it was an unregulated market in the past 30 years, so they have just expanded their scope to not only claims processing and negotiating on the back end in terms of negotiating rebates and discounts and providing that back value to the health plan, they have now expanded into owning specialty pharmacies. They have gone and acquired physician practices. So they are really now moving into what we used to traditionally have a safe space around health systems, where health systems provided the service back in their local markets, et cetera. So PBMs today, in fact, like I believe United is one of the largest provider organizations than even the VA or Kaiser Permanente across the country. It's that big. Wow. And back in the day when I wasn't involved in physician leadership, I used to think that these kind of programs were just meant to restrict medications for my patients. That's not really the case now, is it? No. In fact, it's grown exponentially, horizontally integrated and vertically integrated, where it's beyond just pharmaceuticals. When we think about benefits, we need to consider the fact that 50% of drugs are categorized in medical benefits, not necessarily pharmacy benefits. So these would be examples like infusions that are administered in the clinic. Those are all categorized in medical benefits. So the formulary decision-making process that now takes place in PBMs involves both pharmacy benefit categories and medical benefit categories. And with moving forward with oral oncolytics, inhalers, specialty drugs that are coming out in the pipeline in the next 10 years, biosimilars, all of those new products are going to be very complex in terms of deciding the clinical and efficacy component of that drug, but also the financial value that it brings to the table. In fact, I can see a partnership because quite frankly, as we see more value-based compensation going on, this could actually be a resource for the end-user clinician to try to keep those costs down. Because frankly, many of us don't even know how much a drug costs. Yeah, absolutely. Now the industry is at a point where it's becoming a norm to address real-time benefits. So if you're a patient in a physician office, and if everything is done right, then you as the physician should have estimate costs of what that product will be before you prescribe it to your patient based on the benefit design that they have with their employer plan. And so if it's done correctly, that information will be available to you. However, it's not the exact cost, right? It's an estimated cost. And so there is some leeway there, but it's a huge step forward in the industry to get past this lack of transparency between the provider, the patient, and the plan. That makes sense to me. But let's close out this episode by actually dealing with the elephant in the room, because there has been some controversy and even that piece in 60 Minutes about PBMs. You want to comment about that? Yeah, PBMs over time have created profit to run their businesses. And and every business we understand has to make some margins to reinvest in the business and grow the business and create more value and so forth. However, unchecked, PBMs have unfairly created profit systems, what we normally call spread pricing. So if you're the PBM sitting in the middle, on your left-hand side, you have a contract with an employer or health plan, you're telling that health plan, I'm going to charge you $10. I'm going to collect from you a premium of $10 for this particular drug. Now, I'm in the control seat 
on the right-hand side, I have a negotiated contract with the pharmacy that dispenses the drug to the patient. And I'm telling that pharmacy that I'm only going to pay you $8. So there's a $2 spread per prescription that I'm going to profit from. And I'm not telling either party with transparency what I'm really doing. If you extrapolate that, imagine if 100 million lives that you're taking care of and each life is taking 10 prescriptions per year and you start to take that $2 profit and extrapolate that at a macro level, that's how PBMs have gotten themselves in trouble is that lack of transparency and profit scheme has really created uh, consternation in the marketplace. Furthermore, that's only one aspect of profit. The other aspect is now I'm a PBM, I'm working with the manufacturers and I'm negotiating rebates. So when I'm negotiating, say, $100 for a particular drug in rebates, am I passing that $100 over to the health plan, which is their money? Not really, because now what PBMs have done is they have created mechanisms in place where they call manufacturer fees or data sharing fees. They're getting away from the word rebate because that's been such a hot spotlight in Congress and through legislation and the marketplace. What they're doing is they're actually passing on more likely $60 out of the $100 as a rebate over to the plan. But the $40 that they have recouped in fees and data sharing and and so forth is still a percentage of that rebate that they negotiated, but they're basically keeping that $40 as profit within the organization itself. That's the second, I would say, conflict that we're trying to address. The third conflict is paying to your pharmacies that you own a better reimbursement rate than what you pay the market. If I'm a large PBM and I own my own specialty pharmacy and I own a group of retail pharmacies and I have a mail order pharmacy, should I be paying my own pharmacy a better rate than health system owned pharmacies or independent pharmacies out in the marketplace? There is no way, at least today, to measure and correct those kinds of business practices. And those are the issues that have been brought to light over the last five years, where PBMs have had to really focus on parity, transparency, and that journey continues. It is a very complex journey. Priyush, great discussion, and we'll continue in our next episode. And to our listeners, you can contact Priyush and his email address in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast@visientinc.com. We posted a link in our resource section as well. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thanks so much for listening.